This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I remember my dad telling me, you know, all the time, every time I would get out of the gas station, keep don't don't put your hands in your don't put your hands in your pockets. And that was a real reality. And I and to be honest with you, I didn't I understood it, but I was like, you know, after a while you're kinda like, oh, okay. And as you grow older and when you're five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and you turn thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, you really understand why. And you understand fully, you know, especially now being just turned thirty one and having, you know, uh, two kids and the third one on the way. You know, you really understand why the significance of what that means. And the fact that my dad even had to tell me that is a problem. That is Russell Wilson, the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. A black quarterback, of course, uh, who is now speaking out on uh, what we have seen across the country in, in the last week. A powerful voice in the world of sports as well. And good perspective as as not only a player in the NFL, but a dad as well. Uh, Brent Morton, along with Austin Lane and Kuz on a Thursday. Appreciate you hanging out with us uh, as we have continued to talk about various topics over the uh, last few days. It's been uh, enlightening conversation at times, good dialogue and discussions. We appreciate you uh, uh, being a part of it. And uh, we also have some sports uh, heavy topics to get into as well. Um, outside of uh, the sports and, and society intersection and protests, uh, of what's happening and Drew Brees, but we will still continue to talk about many of them. We just talked Mike Norvell and Florida State and how that will play out. How will that play out this season for Florida State? I mean, think about it. Uh, this is a guy who's not coached a practice or a game, and he's had to endure a pandemic and, and kind of a rough start of kind of trying to put your foundation in your program and now just brought this upon himself uh, with a well, blatant pretty much lie uh, and being called out by a player. He's not the first coach to be called out by a player this week in the college football ranks. Another player called out Dabble Swinney, and after that, about 24 hours later, uh, one of the coaches on Dabble Swinney's staff apologized uh, for using the N-word in a practice. My thought on college football alone, but it does not just carry college football. I believe in the NFL. I believe in pro sports. They also live in a bubble. I believe. And by the way, this is nobody's fault necessarily. Well, it's somebody's fault. I think it's a systemic thing. So I'm not pinning the blame on one person. I think it's been going on for a long time. But I think at Jags headquarters, sometimes they live in a bubble. I mean, they, they kind of live in their own little world as a head coach, uh, as an organization. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes that bubble can be good, by the way. You want to stay away from all the noise out there. I understand. Yeah. But when you stay away from the noise, and I brought this up with the Drew Brees conversation. I said this to you in a commercial break uh, uh the other day i said when you're a, it's easier to be tone deaf when you're a quarterback of the football team because what you have trained yourself to do is not read papers not listen to anybody outside and and just live in your own little space and own little world hmm. so i almost think you don't really have this attachment with what's going on i wouldn't even have been surprised if it took a pr guy to tell brew breeze look what's going on like we are all seeing the backlash in the in the in the out 
you know, everybody saying what they were saying, players, and Drew Brees might have been at home playing ball and didn't even realize it was going on because he doesn't have ESPN on. He doesn't have this. and He's not on Twitter and, and Instagram every minute, every hour. I, I don't know. He might have seen it. I'm just telling you, you as, a, as an athlete, yeah. how many times have we heard players say, yeah, I don't read the paper. I don't read the paper. Now, I do think that's a lie sometimes in a cover-up, but you also probably played with guys that seriously did not. Like they, they oh, did no. not read that stuff, did not see that stuff. Yeah. There are guys that you've played with in the past that did not even acknowledge an outside world kind of existed. That's my point. I agree with that. Okay, but now let's let's be also a realist here. Okay, and I get what you're saying. Like we talked about to the start of the show, the quarterback position it's the double standard, and to be the double standard, you have to put yourself in a bubble a little bit. Okay, I'm gonna give that to you. But also, how much time do you spend in the locker room? Okay. And there's going to be times when your head's not in the playbook, okay? So as that, you know, as that outlier, as that guy who's supposed to be in charge of the team, that field general, it is your responsibility to know the culture of the locker room. It's your responsibility to know what your teammates are thinking, how they're feeling, all that stuff, right? Because, yeah, I get it. It's a sport, but also it's a brotherhood, okay? And when, when there's a disgruntled uh, guy in that locker room, it's probably Drew Brees' job to try to settle stuff, okay? And that's why this. Listen, this is where all the anger comes from from his teammates because he is that guy. He is the guy that they look up to. He is the leader. He is the guy that's in the locker room that's trying to establish the culture and obviously that winning tradition, okay? So when Drew Brees goes, you know, I disagree with with the protests and the anthem and all that stuff. I'm not going to support it. Once again, okay, I understand his grandparents were in the Army, and he can think whatever he wants to think. But when he said that, he didn't take his teammates into account. And that's my point. I get it. The, the quarterback position, it's 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 tricky, man. And, and you're going to have these blinders on probably for 99% of what's going on in the outside world. I get that. But you're not going to have your blinders on and how your teammates feel. You're not going to have your blinders on on just how much anger right now, how much resentment, how much sadness is going on because of racial injustice. You can't have the blinders on to that. And when Drew Brees said that comment, that was an excuse that he had his blinders on. And you can't say that. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying yeah. he did have his blinders on, though. Oh, no, he did. Like, yeah. We admit that he did yeah, because he's tone deaf to it. Of course. And so how do we get there? It's not acceptable to have those no, blinders on. it's I, not. Yeah. I'm not saying this is an acceptable yeah, practice yeah. to be in this bubble. Yeah. I'm saying it is a practice. Sure. And Mike Norvell's case is just another example of it. And well, my, my interpretation of what happened with Mike Norvell and this is not just him. This is the same thing that happened with Dabble Swinney about the the coach using the N-word. Yeah. Is that we're going to move on and we're going to go play football games. We're going to win football games and we're going to win national championships because that's what people want. That's what people talk about. That's the pressure on us to do so. If a kid gets arrested or a kid gets in a fight, we're going to go. We're going to fix that. Don't worry about that. We need sure. him on the field. That is what happens in our sports world. We fix the problems that can be fixed. Just go ask Urban Meyer in Florida through that stretch of what they fixed at times. Now, there are sometimes it's unfixable, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes players get caught, and sometimes coaches now get caught in the act of it. But that is my point where the bubble is bursting a little bit. You are seeing things said by former teammates, by former players, maybe even by former coaches in the last few days, in the last week, that normally people would be a little tentative to say. It has to burst, Ben. Okay, now let's... Let's let's table the Drew Brees discussion for a second. Yeah, because, because it kind of feels separate. Well, well, but I'm going to make a, try to make a big point here in terms of NFL and college football, okay? okay? Because it is different. Drew Brees is a grown man, 
Okay, Drew Brees has children. Drew Brees has lived a lot of life. He's seen a lot of things. He's been in a lot of locker rooms and shared different opinions with different players. Okay, so Drew Brees is a grown man. When we talk about college coaches right now, this is an Austin Lane, former NFL player, or Austin Lane, whatever. This is Austin Lane being a father right now. Okay, I have a five-year-old son. I don't know if he's going to play college football. I'm not going to push him to play, but if he wants to play college football, you better believe I'm going to uh, I'm going to encourage him, and I'm trying to be the best cheerleader out there. Not going to get in a fight in the field or anything like that, but I'm going to be the best cheerleader out there. You did say he's going to play baritone sax. Oh, and baritone sax. No, I said French horn. French horn. Get sorry, it right, because French, French horn is the hardest instrument to play in the band. Do your research, Brent. Come on. But um, listen, I've been through enough college pitches, not from D1 coaches, but D2 and D3, where they come into your house and what do they say most importantly? We're going to take care of your son. We're going to make sure your son's in good hands. Of like the five to ten college coaches that I talked to, that my mom talked to, they always told her the same thing. Your son's going to be in good hands with us, and we're going to take care of him. Okay? So I get it. It's my job as a father to shape my son um, in an image that's respectful, to shape him uh, as a productive member of society, and to shape him as a kid that's going to do the right thing. Okay? That's my job as a parent. I understand that. But when I send him to college, I expect those guys that come into my house and say all these things, how they're going to take care of him, well, I expect those coaches to do the right thing. Okay? I expect expect those coaches to show him the way because he is still a kid okay he's going away to college and school school's not real life living in a dorm room with other roommates and all that stuff it's not real life getting a scholarship that's not real life so i expect those coaches to have what's best for my son in mind and when you have coaches right now that are maybe afraid of the bubble bursting or are doing these things that kind of shows like listen you live in this bubble and it's not real life I have an issue with that, Brent, okay? Because, yeah, I understand. If you're a head coach, you have to be in a bubble, and it's about winning games, and it's all this stuff. But it's also, I look at Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney preaches how many times he's trying to build young men. He's trying to develop young men. Well, which one is it? What's more important? developing young men for the future or winning those national championships sure you can have both of them but you better figure out which one's going to be more important because when that bubble bursts that's the first question that will be asked i I agree it's well said um and it's part of it and i think that's why i think when i say the bubble's bursting i mean it in a good way okay Uh, i i don't mean this in a bad way Mm -hmm. i I think that things have been covered up in college sports Forever, it's got us into maybe the issue that we see in the NCAA on the basketball side, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, they've we have swept things under the rug because what stays, what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room kind of mentality of yeah, but things are good. We're making a lot of money and everybody's making a living and we're giving kids a chance to go to school for free and and we're winning games and oh yeah, there's this thing called March Madness and. We love our college football on Saturday. I mean, so we protect that. I've said it often in the NCAA and the men's side of basketball is we turn our other cheek to it because, you know what, I want my damn bracket. Yeah. That's why. Because we don't want to see anything go away deep down. We don't want to, even though we know it's it's not really on the up and up. Mm -hmm. But we turn our cheek to it as fans. Mm -hmm. Think about what they do inside the walls, that they know what's going on. And so I, I, I thought this was... An interesting moment, the way my I think they're so blinded by the bubble sometimes that they say the things they say. Mike Norvell said, hey, yeah, I talked to all these. He gave a quote where it's like, I talked to all these players. I did this. I, I, I took care of it. I addressed it. Mm-hmm. It's time to go play football. 
you know, and I know he didn't exactly say that, but in his mind, that's how he's built. That's how he's programmed. Okay, let's take care of this thing. We're going to go play football. Let's go practice practice. Let's go get to a team meeting. Let's go t- install and let's go win football games. That's my job here. My job is not necessarily to look at society and what's happening and teach these young men, black and white, what is right, what is wrong. My job is to win football games. Yeah. You know, and so we have ingrained that in big time sports, whether it's college or the pros, because let's be honest, in the pros it is your job is yeah. to win football games or you're fired. And the same thing goes for big time college athletics. But in doing so, we create these kind of moments sometimes and they don't even think they're doing anything wrong. I, I mm-hmm. that's my belief. I I, I don't they're ignorant to it. They're tone deaf to it. But I don't think they deep down believe they're doing anything wrong. They just said, well, I'm the boss here. These are a bunch of 19, 20-year-old kids. They're yeah. not going to question this. Mm-hmm. They're not going to question me. I'm the head coach. I'm the one that told them they can't wear hoodies or anything else at, at yeah. Florida State. I make the rules. They follow me. Ego comes into play. But it's a program nature of the way we've built our big-time college coaches, sometimes our players and big-time players, and maybe even quarterbacks in the NFL, that we live in this bu- – they live in this bubble. That's really not real life. And as long as you win games, anything's acceptable. Yeah. And so that's my point to it. So I think what we've seen in this last week is – a Clemson staff that has been unbelievable this this last five years. They're the, the kings of college football along with Alabama. They've been co- taken a task by a former player who, by the way, won a national championship on that team. Yep. Florida State. Before this guy who I think they like, even coaches a game or, or really does a practice, has a practice, being taken a task by a player. Drew Brees, who's one of the greats of all time, being taken a task for what he's saying because it ain't safe anymore inside the bubble. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. I think uh, because there is more to just winning games. Where Now, when we get back to sports, those winning games, the scoreboard, it matters. It mm-hmm. really does in no, the long run. I mean, it, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. But I think what we're finding out right now in the last week is there's more responsibility on these players and coaches than just winning games and performing and, and getting accolades. And I think that's being proven by some of the things that are being said. And, and, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. And, uh, yeah, I, I, don't want you, I don't want my thoughts to get misconstrued here. I do agree that the, the bubble needs to burst because then you find out what people who people really are. Okay? Um, it is a twisted environment, though, and I'm going back to college football again here, right? Because a college coach can come in and go 500 in the SEC for five straight years. He could have academic All-Americans. He can set a record for the highest GPA in the SEC of all time with this football team. And what's going to happen to that guy? He's probably going to get fired, right? Because winning is everything. Yep. Winning is everything. And I understand when coaches sit there in recruits' living rooms, you know, those high school juniors or seniors, even sophomores, and they talk to the parents. Yes, I understand that it is emphasized that, hey, we're, we're going to win a lot of ball games, man. Let's win a national championship. I want you here on my team. I understand those conversations take place as well. But I just reiterate the fact that usually the last thing that a coach will say to a family or, you know, a, a single parent or whoever it is, is that I will take care of your son. Okay? To me, if my son wants to play college football, if my son wants to play football in general and wants to play college football, yeah, obviously I want him to go to a successful program and, and have a taste of greatness. Who, what parent doesn't want that for their child? 
but I want him to go to a place where he will be taken care of primarily, okay? And I think sometimes in terms of recruiting, like we just talked about it with Norvell, okay? I think Norvell said all those things where we kind of lied about a little bit because it made the program look good, because it made him look good and it made Florida State look good and make the it made the culture look good. Now, why he would say that and lie about it when he knows dang well a player is going to call him out eventually – I don't know, okay? But to me, that's what the goal was. And I think the goal, obviously, in in that sales pitch, when you talk to families, it's the same thing. I'm taking care of your son. But at the end of the day, the way it sits right now, winning is everything, okay? And that's in life. That's in business. That's in sports. That's in a lot of things where you have to win to be successful or no one's going to give a crap about you. Let's be honest. So I get that. But in terms of the bubble breaking, I think eventually – the emphasis on the winning is going to come back down to the level of, hey, let's make sure we're taking care of our guys. And that's what I want to see happen in yeah, college football. I'm not sure it ever will happen, quite I, I, frankly. I, I don't know. I think and, it and might be a little naive me. to think it no. will ever happen. And, and maybe this is me just thinking out. Yeah, because money you. wins the day. And listen, winning is more, in my opinion, of the being right than doing right. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't always do right to win. No, for sure. <laughs> and we've seen that. Of right? course. We've seen things taken away from people because they haven't always done it the right way while they're winning. And let's be honest, sometimes people with the most money have done probably the most messed up things. Uh, I, I want to just read you this, okay, because this is what got me on this topic. Okay, mm-hmm. this was from a war chant, and it was a quote from A.D. David Coburn uh, to the Florida State Board of Trustees this morning. And this is where it stuck out to me. He says, I want to tell you that Coach Norvell just finished a closed team meeting with the football team. I'm told that the dialogue was open and very candid and that it went well oh that's fine okay that's that's good they had met about it they talked about it that's important i mean you make a mistake you got to go try to fix it you gotta talk and, about and, it and, and they it's talk not about an easy it. conversation we gotta talk about this it. this is the part that i think is systemic and i know it's just a little quote and i might be over dramatizing but i think this is what got me onto this thought and jumped out the last part of it is so i believe we're moving on there that's what he said and so when you say that to me he's telling the board of trustees we're by this. On to the next Don't one. Don't worry. We're out of the headlines. We, we're okay. Take a breath. You know, yeah. we're, we're going to still have our football team. We believe in this guy. We feel like there's not going to be this uprising now, and it's not going to carry on for two, three days a week and everything else. That's my interpretation of we're moving on there. And that's what, in our sports world, and by the way, in our business world, too, we try to move on. Yeah. Instead of fix. Mm-hmm. Now, what could he have said? I don't know the right way to say it. I mean, I'm not the AD at Florida State, but I would have liked to hear him say, hey, we're going to we're, I'd like to hear him tell the board of trustees. We're not going to forget about this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we this is a first step. This will be actionable. And I think we can grow from this and yeah. we might even be closer from this. You know, why can't he say that to the board of trustees? Yeah. Because the board of trustees, you know why? They really just want to know that they're going to win football games and turn this program around, beat the Florida Gators and all those things. Mm-hmm. That's my point in this conversation. That's a systemic thing that's been built over decades and decades, much like it's a systemic thing. What we're talking about every day with police brutality and with these protests and yeah. systemic things are really tough to change. It takes a long time. It, nothing is going to change overnight on that um uh, that's what got me onto the bubble bursting in sports this this dabble swinney thing this mike norvell thing now the drew Brees. you know we if we picture those guys mm-hmm. prior to this week almost dabble swinney untouchable man mm-hmm. he's awesome fun dude uh super religious guy mm-hmm. believes in faith drew Brees. Just sort of five million dollar check. He's New Orleans. We believe in these guys as untouchable. They are on this pedestal. Well, the pedestal got 
cut down well, for some of these guys this week. That, that's my point of the discussion. And I, listen, I just want to go back to to the comment, and this was by the Florida State Board of Trustees. I'm sorry, by the Board of Trustees, or what, what, what's the this official was from title? The AD, the AD to the Board of Trustees to yeah. kind of fill them in on the last 24 hours. Yeah. Listen, I, I, and this is the first time I'm hearing of that. I wish I would know about it before because I, I would have written something up with this comment. But listen, you just can't say that we're moving on. All right, yeah, we're on to the next one. All right, let's go next week because you know, you know, who says that you say that after you lose a football game. You say that after you lose a close, heartbreaking football game, and maybe the quarterback fumbled the ball in the two yard line and got recovered by the other team, and you lose the game. All right, yeah, that, that's unfortunate that happened. All right, we're on to the next one. You didn't lose a football game here. You lost literally in the game of life, okay? You you, you lost in the, in the game of, you know, whether it's right or wrong, you know, and you lost. So, no, it's not just that easy to say, all right, let's move on. We're on to the next one. You can't say that, okay? There has to be the conversations. There has to be the dialogue. You have to reiterate the fact that what was said was very messed up, and you're trying to make the, profit, the, the, the appropriate, um, you know, I, I guess just – things to make it better you have to do that you you don't i mean you need to do that i'm sorry you don't have to do anything you need to do that in my opinion you need to do that so yeah that's just that's uh that's very disappointing to say the least from from an ad of a of a big university like florida state well and 80 percent of it by the way his statement there at least that i read and i I don't know if that was in totality but that i read was right on i mean you got to have a meeting it's got to be a candid conversation you need the dialogue but i'm just telling you that moving on part is a systemic thing again it's not just a florida state thing Mm -hmm. that is not a florida state every ad in the country most likely would have said that Mm -hmm. okay we're moving on we got past this Mm -hmm. we got past that's the message to the board of trustees well if that's a message to the board of trustees when that's the message internally to everybody that trickles down to everybody let's move on from this sweep it under the rug and go play football let's go practice today you know Mm -hmm. let's get our team on the same page by the way an update here from uh, marvin wilson who obviously called out his coach he said this in the last couple of hours uh he has a two minute uh, a message a video message as well but he says this on the tweet part. Took a stand. We got what we wanted, and we are moving forward. Appreciate Coach Norvell for encouraging me to use my platform and speak for what me and my teammates believe in. Be the change that you needed when you was growing up is what he says. Um, hmm. Interesting that it must have been a pretty powerful. It must have been a good conversation. Then. Yeah, it must have been a very right? powerful meeting. Absolutely. Uh, and, and you know, I don't mind. Michael Thomas did the same with Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that are not going to forgive Drew Brees. For the yeah. way he responded to those, I mean, that question yesterday. It's hard to believe that Malcolm Jenkins, after what he said about him yesterday, is just going to up and forgive Drew Brees. It's it's hard to believe a guy like Ed Reed, a Hall of Famer like Ed Reed, is going to forgive Drew Brees right away. Yeah, and 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 my my thought on that, my initial thought on that, I don't know how you feel about this, is, and you said this earlier in the show. I think we have to be careful just to cancel people out for mm-hmm. doing things. I think we have to look at it all. You know, obviously, uh, the officer that killed george floyd he had all these other issues in the past Mm -hmm. it wasn't like this one-time thing and not that the one-time thing by the way would have been okay but it was magnified that he had all these other things that were that were part of issues there were signs there there were there Mm -hmm. were signs and again that's a systemic thing because it wasn't treated before he got to this Mm -hmm. and it wasn't handled before he got to this but my point on the Drew Brees discussion is if we're going to, we need to look at everybody in totality when they're making mistakes, ill-informed, tone-deaf, because he's done a, real, a lot of good stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, so do you just cancel him out and say, okay, we can never even mm-hmm. – uh, Drew Brees should retire from football. Yeah. Or do we take a guy that's done a lot of good 
and have him be influenced by what just happened in the last couple of days to make more good. I want to get your opinion about something here, okay? I'm going to give you two types of, uh, I guess, two types of people here. It's kind of like a mock scenario, okay? There's one guy who's always been very passionate about, um, you know, a cause. So, for instance, I mean, let, let's go ahead and talk about it right now. So th- there's a guy out there, and he can be black or white, doesn't matter the color of his skin, but he's passionate about Black Lives Matter, okay? There's another guy, Brent, who maybe isn't the most passionate guy. Maybe he is passionate, but he says he's passionate, but he shows some things, he's done some things that people kind of get rubbed the wrong way a little bit when he says some stuff, okay? And to be fair, he's lost a lot of his peers around him. And the peers are very outspoken in saying that this guy is not down for the cause. And they essentially crucify him for it, okay? Uh, Through the media, through social media, everything like that. That guy has a shot at redemption. And that guy understands that, listen, I made a mistake and I'm trying to get better. He's the underdog story. He's the comeback story. And he uses that story to say, you know what? I was in the wrong, but I'm going to try to improve myself and be better. Almost like a phoenix rising from the ashes, if you will. We've heard these stories all the time, regardless, okay? Well, we celebrate those stories a lot. Of course. If it's alcoholism, drug abuse. Sports are all about those stories. Sports are all about those stories. And sports mirrors life. Which guy's going to be more powerful then? And once again, take the color out of it. But what guys could be more powerful? The guy that kind of had the, you know, the, the come to terms moment of he had to change who he was and now he's a stronger individual or the guy who's always on the, on the same page of, you know, protesting for what he believed in. I would argue that the guy that had the come to Jesus moment, if you will, is even more powerful. Cause he's the, because he's the, he's the underdog story. He, he's the guy that's not supposed to be here right now, but he is. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, yeah. I think that's the case. I mean, listen, if you want to even simplify this, you, you when you're a kid in high school, you go to these assemblies. Yeah. And and what who do they bring in? They bring in people that have of course either maybe they killed somebody drinking yeah. and driving. You yeah. know, maybe they. I, I remember like at, I don't know if it was just a sign of the times at that point where we're getting a lot of like railroad safety and driving and people that had been like. Uh, accidents no, I, during yeah, like we, uh, train we, accidents. We had those people too. And yeah. I still remember those speeches. Powerful stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you do think about athletes who tell their story, who share their story, mm-hmm. and have come back, and we celebrate that. So, yeah, I do think you're right. I think that is powerful, and that's why I guess the only that's why I kind of come in here today and say we've gone back to being right over the last yeah. 24 hours and doing right. Yes, you can. I think the majority believe Drew Brees was probably was in the wrong. I think the majority. They're not everybody because they're going to everybody's going to wave the patriotic flag, yeah. which and then again miss the point again. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people that say the timing, the tone deaf nature of it, he was in the wrong. But I also kind of was like I cringe a little bit when I see uh, not even Malcolm Jenkins, but I see the Ed Reeds uh, and, and say, "Man, you're done." Like I see Shannon yeah. Sharp say, "Retire." Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Yeah. Don't do that. No, instead, let's have discussions. Sure. Let's say, well, listen, man, you're not getting it. You're, mm-hmm. you're not getting it enough. You, we need you to, to understand this mm-hmm. because the people that really respect you and like you, they will understand it more if you help them understand it, too. Yeah. Don't put those guys in a corner as much. And that's where I come in and say, and I started the show this way. I feel like in the last 24 hours, and I understand the anger. I understand the, the, the emotion. Yeah. But we got to be really careful when when things like this happen to say, um, 
all right, it's all about being right, and you're not on my team. Yeah. And, and well, instead, the do-right nature of that would be, hey, let's bring him in, man. Let's educate him. Let's Emmanuel Acho. Mm-hmm. Go, go sit with Emmanuel Acho yeah. in one of those sessions, and, and let me educate you because you're not educated enough. Yeah, I mean, it's great points, Brent. You know, and listen, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I disagree with Malcolm Jenkins what he said because I understand. I mean, I get it. People I get the emotion. Are, people are frustrated. Well, honestly, right? I don't and, get the emotion. I'd be no, lying but, if yeah, I said exactly. I get the emotion. But I mean, let's be honest. But we, we can understand. Listen, it's spur of the moment thing. We, we've all had those kind of things. We want to run write, write an email and then we delete it because it's probably for the best. And let's be honest. In those Twitter videos, those are the emails that probably could have been deleted and said a little better. That's a good point. But they didn't delete them. That's a good point. They set them out there, and it is what it is. And it's out there forever, okay? And their kids and their families have to see that, whatever it is. But I guess my point is, listen, Drew Brees made a mistake, and it's okay to be mad at him, okay? I'm not saying forgive him right now. No, I mean, I understand time heals all wounds, and eventually maybe you can forgive Drew Brees. Right now, tensions are high, emotions are high, and if you dislike Drew Brees, more power to you. But all I'm going to say is we wouldn't be doing – we'd be doing ourselves a disservice if you didn't educate Drew Brees. If you didn't try to pull him on your team and have that redemption story, that underdog story. Because at the end of the day, if we just cast Drew Brees aside and said, get out of our group, you're not welcome here, then we're no better than the people that we're trying to fight against right now. Excellently, uh, excellent, excellent, well said. Uh, and the discussion continues, and the discussions happen like this all over the country. Uh, discussions on this show often revolve around sports. Let's talk a little bit more of the X's and O's and what's happening in the world of sports as we get back to it. Uh, some news and notes happening today outside of the protests. That's next on ESPN 6 Night. The NBA's Board of Governors voted uh, to accept and ratify the 22-team return-to-play format uh, that uh, Adam Silver and the league put before them today. And so now there's essentially just a matter of the Players Association um, uh, getting on board with this uh, league vote. But this was the big hurdle to get the NBA back uh, in July in Orlando. I'm told it was not unanimous. Uh, 29 teams, though, voted uh, for this return to play. Also, NBA draft moved to October 15th. The NBA draft lottery, I'm told, August 25th. That's Woj. That's the latest on the NBA. Let's talk some sports. Brent Martin along with Austin Lane and Kuz here on a Thursday. And we talked NBA yesterday. I think what's interesting today, because we knew this was going to happen, right? This is pretty much a foregone conclusion that they were going to ratify this. And, and I don't think much even changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one vote against was Portland and Dame Lillard. Dame was lying. <laughs> Did he Dame's vote? All I don't know, but that's what Marcel actually, I posted about that. Marcel Robinson actually responded. He's like, man, Dame wasn't lying that he didn't want to come back. Dame's over it, man. Uh, what do you make of it, Kuza? In terms of the, it, it, what's interesting, I forgot all about is like the draft lottery and the in the draft. So that will now take place right after the season. What does that mean for guys that would have been drafted by now? Where do you? You're just in limbo, Kuz, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you're just waiting it out. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess so, right? I mean, I, that's kind of. Normally, the draft I mean, is what in June. Well, I mean, we June. we would have had the lottery no, by now. Like, the I mean, lottery would have happened already. Yeah, and then the draft is after the season in June. Uh, yeah. So it would have been in June. Yeah, yeah like I the end of June. June. Yeah. So literally, I mean, so what listen, do you do? Well, there's a couple things, right? Where I mean, have guys even declared yet? Yeah, all that. Uh, has okay, happened. okay, they declared. Okay, yeah, all that. But has like, happened. 
I guess like it's different though because there was an NCAA tournament. You know, like usually the tournaments where you go against pretty good competition, you're in a pressure cooker, you see what a player's made of. Like yeah. I, I think for instance, Jimmer Perdet, I think Jimmer Perdet made a lot of money because of how he did an NCAA tournament. Yeah. I think Steph Curry made a lot of money probably did an NCAA tournament. So like Yeah, who are the top five picks even? <laughs> hey. Yeah, you, you got me, I feel bro. like I haven't watched a college basketball game. I feel like there's a guy like, from Georgia that's pretty good, right? Yeah, and that's, that's right. It's a, and, Edwards, yeah. And I don't know. That's about it. So that's going to be different. Obviously, the players waiting in limbo right now. Like, yeah, the, the, that's going to be um, different as well. I mean, there's just, listen, obviously this season, there might be an asterisk next to it. There's a lot of things that aren't going to feel right in the terms of NBA basketball right now. And then the draft is going to be a part of that as well. It's pretty interesting uh, about the, that. Uh, I guess we're not surprised. Uh, it's good to have it back. I'm still a little uh, taken aback that it's July 31st, which means it's way down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll be excited for it to come back. You know, one thing we, we've discussed on a small basis, what will it be like to have all sports firing at, like, the same time? You know, because, again, the NBA normally wouldn't come back until – Late October, I think even in early November. Uh, now they're going to be like August, September, October. I mean, those are three months where the NBA normally wouldn't be happening or very quietly in October when training camps get back going. Uh, the NHL, uh, Major League Baseball, there'll be more eyes on everything magnified. I wonder what it does to our sports landscape. I wonder if it does help any of those sports out or if it's just still in our mindset, football, football, football. Does it, does it give these sports a boost to have – all of this happening at once. all at once and uh, kind of flooding back. I, I don't know what that will do to the sports fan. I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah, you know, to be fair, I don't think it's going to help because if you look at the UFC, listen, 80% probably of casual MMA fans didn't realize how crazy the Justin Gagey, Tony Ferguson fight was going to be. Now, I came in here and talked about it. We had Dana White on and we tried to hype it up and everything, but the general MMA fan didn't really know what it was. But the thing was, MMA at the time was the only thing in town. It was the only show you could watch. So people bought it. Over 700,000 pay-per-view buys. That's fantastic. Yeah. Right? Especially in the, in, in the landscape of, you know, people being unemployed and, you know, money being kind of tight for a lot of people. So MMA benef- benefited from that. If we were to get NBA back, then have the NFL and maybe baseball. And we'll see with hockey, too, as well. Man, you're to me, it's going to be a saturation. Now, I get it. There's going to be the diehards where, yeah, I'm going to watch my NBA, uh, and I'm going to watch my NHL. But to me, the diehards are always going to be there, okay? The key right now is getting the casual fans, the guys that are on the fence a little bit. Maybe those hockey fans are like, man, I used to like watching hockey, but I can never find it on TV. Where'd it go? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, if that was here right now. Max Kellerman said nobody cares anyway. Yeah, well, Max Kellerman, well, we can have some words, Max, because my Red Wings are coming back with a vengeance in a couple years. Number one draft pick, baby. Bring it home in the lottery, please. Please bring it home in the lottery. Anyways, back to the point, though. But it's NHL just by itself right now. It'd be doing fantastic, I think. I wholeheartedly believe that. Okay. Yeah, you're um, right. If baseball was by itself right now, it'd be doing fantastic. So, and it usually is right about now. Exactly. It so, usually gets in its own little. Well, and keep in mind with everything going on right now, imagine if baseball was around. You know, because b- b- baseball is made up of, uh, of 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 a lot of minorities. Let's be honest here. So, um, it could have probably did a lot. I mean, once again, I'm not taking out of the whole the whole cash cow narrative here, but I think right now when we talk about well, if they all come back at once and all of a sudden it's, uh, we got sports again. Sure, we got sports, and yes, we have DVR, and yes, we have all that. We can watch whatever we want to watch, but it's all about the casual fan. 
And I think the casual fan's going to gravitate towards what they know. And I think what they know more than anything, which is the numbers that have showed us, it's going to be football. Let me ask you this, though, uh, because NBA, there's talk about, obviously, the games are going to be kind of like, they're going to be going at all times almost. Yeah, like, that's just cool. So It's almost like watching the Olympics in a sense. Right. So, like, in theory, yeah, like, uh, the diehards will find it. I think the diehards for football, the diehards for baseball, the diehards for basketball, they'll find it. But maybe for a casual fan who's like, I don't know, sitting at home, just kind of, you know, going through channels and they see, oh, there's a there's a Sixers versus Celtics game on right now. Oh, I might as well put that on. That's better than, you know, watching Criminal Minds for the fifth time <laughs> this week. See, but I'm going to make an argument and say, well, when it's like the Denver Nuggets versus the Clippers on West Coast time during the regular season. Late this at year, night. Yeah, yeah, late at night. How many people are going to put aside those primetime television shows to watch a regular season Nuggets-Clippers game? But would they do that Probably anyway? That I'm sorry? Would they do that anyway, like during a regular season anyway? Maybe it wouldn't, well, you I know, mean, at that I, point it's a diehard thing? Well, well listen, like, I think during the regular season, like, yeah, I think the casual fans kind of like, yeah, I'll catch you in the playoffs. But even with NBA playoffs now, what are we talking about? We're talking about how many teams in the playoffs, okay? To be fair, I don't think the numbers are really good for NBA playoffs for the first couple rounds because we kind of know what's going to happen. Now, this year it's going to be different because players have been off, how are their bodies respond, and things like that. So there is a little more of an unknown, a little more of an added element, and that's going to make things entertaining. But I think overall, like, yeah. are, t- are people get the casual NBA fan, are they going to tune in maybe 2 o'clock on a Thursday to check out the Nuggets play whoever – I don't know. Oh, man, 2 o'clock. You guys think I'm bad at doing the show now. <laughs> well, dude, <laughs> that stuff going hey, Here's the thing. You know what it's going to be like? It's going to be like March Madness. It like, is with we, no we didn't TVs. Get yeah, with no TVs. Like, of course. I've been, well, campaigning. Right here. I've been campaigning for how long? But maybe that's a good point, though, Kuz, and I kind of just drew this conclusion to myself. We we miss March Madness, okay? We didn't get that. Yeah. We celebrate March Madness. The country loves March Madness. It's one of the, probably the most watched things in sports. Well, now all of a sudden we get a little appetizer kind of, it. of a March Madness with NBA playoffs for the whole well, day. And so so I was kind of reading a little bit more about it. It sounds like they're gonna have you know games, and then as long as the ninth and eighth seed are within a few games of each other, that's when they do like a, a tournament style. Okay few games to see who actually is the eighth seed and then go from there. Okay, I got yeah. you. Uh, that makes some sense. L- listen, here's my quick thought on, on how sports will be viewed when it comes back. Uh, let's just say every all on all cylinders, say, in August. Uh, and I'm not even talking fans. I'm just saying on TV where you can view it. I think there will be an uptick in it originally in the first couple of weeks and be like, yeah, it's back. <laughs> and then... I think we settle into our normal lives so quickly and back to normalcy so quickly that I'm not sure. Listen, I do think out of this pandemic, there will be one or two things like I'll take from what we did, whether it's more marshmallow baseball games at home or cooking a steak at home, which uh, I, I didn't normally do, but maybe every few months did. <laughs> Brett's going to be taking pictures now. Cooking steaks, can't <laughs> but, wait. You know, but, but maybe it's something like that. Mm-hmm. But I can't say every bit of what I've done for the last couple of months and, and even working from home and those things yeah. will be done in six and, months when we, let's just say, we get back to normal. And so I think for a couple of weeks, there'll be this uptick in watching sports. Be like, yes, and I'm going to even try this out. I'm going to try this out. But I think that will quickly go back to the norm, I think. Uh, one thing that's saving that is a lot of the shows are getting canceled. Mm-hmm. So it will be a lot of reruns. The only fresh <laughs> stuff will be sports, right? Uh, I mean, well, aren't a lot of the shows getting canceled a that lot would, of it, would premiere in the fall? Yeah, they're getting pushed back. And and kind of to your point, and maybe I, I don't look at numbers, so maybe I'm way off here, but I, at least the hype around what felt like iRacing when it first was a thing, yeah. 
and, and that's no dig at it, but nah, like I heard call. it that one week, and then it kind of slowed down. It's good. Man, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm sitting here right now listening to you know to to Brent speak his stuff here, talking about how you know he might be all in for the first couple of weeks. I'm gonna laugh if NHL comes back, and all of a sudden I envision on a Monday coming home, you know, coming back from a Sunday during those Stanley Cup playoffs. Brent Martineau sits down next to me. He's like, "I'll tell you what, Austin." Those St. Louis Blues, man, that two-way hockey, there's something there. I'll tell you what, Joe Pavelski going to the Dallas Stars, what a big acquisition that was. Like, I'm looking forward to it, man, because it's a possibility. It's a possibility that this, this whole, when, the, when the smoke clears and everything, you may come out of this a diehard hockey fan, and I can't wait. You got a better chance of me quoting a couple of slap shot lines <laughs> instead of that, uh, most likely. Which is nothing wrong with that either. No, that's yeah. pretty good. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, coaches are back, uh, can go back to their facilities, now up to 100 players in the facilities. Uh, 100 players, excuse me. Uh, disregard what I just said. 100 people. 100 players people. are not allowed back in the facilities unless they're rehabbing. 100 people. And then 101, including Mike Tyson, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> yes. uh, he, he gets a special exemption. He gets special pass because nobody's going to mess like with going to say no. It's <laughs> like you were saying with the, the gold medals, you get like a, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a front of the line pass. <laughs> he has the Ryan Murphy YMCA gold medal all access wherever he goes. Absolutely, as yeah. he should. Yeah. Uh, but does it mean anything? I mean, coaches come back and, and kind of, again, some of these things are are turning toward we'll have training camp. I think mm-hmm. Bruce Arians even said January, uh, July 21st for his camp, which would mean I think that's when most camps would start. A lot of times it's the end of the month. It looks like it'll be the third week of July uh, that, that they are allowed back in. Uh, that's when players most likely will be allowed in unless there's something here in the month of June. Mm-hmm. I, I just like I know it's a headline. It's great to show, hey, here's the next thing happening for the NFL that coaches are allowed back in. I really just don't know what it means. Like, yeah, what's, what's I, the I mean, to me, the coaches back in the stadium, like, yeah, now maybe you know they can get a workout in on the treadmill instead of going to a local gym. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, the wives might be happy. Yeah, why? <laughs> like, maybe maybe the coaches are happy. Who knows? You know? Uh, maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really see a change. I mean, to me, I'm gonna really see the change. We talked about it before. You know, the the Jacksonville Jaguars have a lot of rookies coming to this training camp. And they don't get rookie minicamp. They don't get acclimated. Well, I guess a silver lining of everything going on right now is the fact that all the training camp and, and all, the, all the camp stuff we're talking about here, it will take place at the facility. Okay? It's going to probably take place indoors at the practice facility. So with that being said, once the rookies get in and everything, I mean, it's just a chance to get acclimated, man. Like that That's important because there is something to be said. Like if you're a rookie and you have to go to a, a different college campus for training camp and that's different, you're not accustomed to that, where you're at, well, now everything is going to be under one roof. So I think once the rookies get back, get to the stadium and kind of get acquainted with everything, that's where you start talking about, all right, well, now we're making some progress. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, one, one other quick note. Uh Doug Marone and his family participated in the uh, protest in San yeah. Marco. Uh, did you see that? I did. Uh, there were no real images about it. I think that was probably planned as well uh, by the mm-hmm. Jaguars. But, um, you know, it's coming off of, earlier this week. Peyton Thompson called out the 17 Jaguars, which included Doug Marone. Yeah. They have conversation. He comes back and says, hey, uh, Doug separated himself from the organization during that time. And also uh, we talked about some of the things he's done as an activist uh, and – here we are two weeks, two days later in San Marco, which is not too far from where the Marones live now, um, being out there part of a, a peaceful protest. Uh, you know, we talk about actionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't want I think some people, the, the negative people, the critics, people will be like, oh, this is just token kind of stuff. Right. Yep. But, but as I've said before, and I've said it many times this week, I don't care why it's happening or how or motivation for it's happening. It's happening. We You're don't doing, have that luxury right now, Brent. Right. We, the, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I didn't no, that's you it. You're doing. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you're doing it, it's actionable. Listen, I, I don't know. What else do you want? Yeah. The, the stakes are too high right now for what people are fighting for. Okay. The, the, the stakes have never been higher. And in my opinion, you don't have the luxury right now to say, well, is this guy on board for the right causes or not? Is this guy doing it for, you know, his true passion or just to look good in front of the media? You don't have that luxury right now because we need everybody. We need everybody that you can get to support the cause. So you don't have that luxury. I don't think it's right. And and listen, and here's another case. You know, I think when um, – I'm sorry, what was the player's name again that tweeted out? Payton the, Thompson. Payton Thompson, thank you. When Payton Thompson tweeted that out, which was, you know, a couple of days ago – I think some people are ready to cancel Doug Marone. Like, Doug Marone's a grown man. Why didn't he stand up for himself? Why didn't he tell Tom Coughlin to say, no, uh, we're going to let our players kneel? Like, why didn't he do that stuff? And people are ready to cancel Doug Marone. I know Doug Marone protested last night, okay? I, I know Doug Marone just didn't give a, a little wishy-washy press conference, a little statement on Twitter and say, yeah, okay, so I feel about it. No, actions speak louder than words, okay? And last night... Doug Marone spent his time, his energy, and I think he got his family involved, did, if yeah. you will, for the better cause. Well, so I'm, I'm not going to cancel Doug Marone. Real quick on that subject, will it play in the locker room at all? Does it matter? Is it, will I, it be received well? I, th- I think it has to be received well. If if I think an NFL locker room is what it was when I was um, there, you know, like eight-something years back, then I think it will play off well. And also keep in mind, too, like guys like Leonard Fournette, uh, he's going to have his own protest that, that he's working on for next week that he went on Twitter and announced. So um, it's good to see Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, in the community, whether, you know, they're quiet with their platforms or they're loud on Twitter, whatever the reason is, but they're out there doing it. And that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and Doug Marone did that last night. Uh, we'll, we'll see uh, what he has to say about it. I think uh, he usually will meet with the media on Fridays. We'll see if that happens tomorrow. And uh, maybe we'll hear from him about uh, what prompted it and, and maybe even more. Uh, about the recent events over the last week from the Jaguars head coach. When we come back, a sport that really needs to have fans. Yeah. Maybe more than any other, in my opinion. Okay. Next on ESPN 690. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 